Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. It's good to be in church. Amen. We have been so blessed by the ministry of Brother Landon Gore over the past week. Got here last Wednesday. We've had our youth week this past week. And uh, young people, we just had an, an amazing time, did we not? Was it not? I am, I am sad to report to you that, that, that uh, Mammal Wars 2.0, uh, my, my team did not win once again. I know that you're devastated about that. But the, the who won? Do y'all remember the Blue Badgers? Is that right? Any blue? The Red Rhinos won. I'm really sorry. I'm really, any Red Rhinos? Yeah. Okay. Couple. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. And man, just uh, some wonderful sessions. I know last night with our young ministers and uh, our young adults had a session as well. Some question and answer. And uh, to, uh, to, for our young people, our young adults to have the opportunity to sit down and to hear uh, Brother, Brother Gore speak. It has been just such a blessing. And I want to say to you how much of a blessing that you have been to our group. And uh, uh, we are, I, I just, I honestly believe that, that we're better because of the ministry and you allowing God to use you in the way that he has. We're grateful for you. Tonight's going to be no different. God's going to do a great thing in this room. Would you help me welcome Brother Gore as he comes to preach to us tonight? Let's clap our hands to that great God that we serve on a Wednesday night. Come on, let them know how grateful you are for his presence. Thank you, God. How many of you are thankful to be in God's house on a Wednesday night with God's people? Uh, such a wonderful uh, day. Thank God for a beautiful day. Great weather. Sun was shining. Wind was blowing. And it's been such a great uh, weekend and uh, so grateful for everything that the Lord did on Sunday and uh, so grateful for, as Pastor Cody was alluding to, uh, the time I've been able to share uh, with the youth and young adults and young ministers. Uh, everyone's just been so kind. Everyone's been so welcoming. And uh, it's always an honor to go somewhere, uh, but it's an even higher honor to go back somewhere. And, uh, and so I'm so grateful that the Lord allowed me to come back to Zanesville, Ohio. And I do want to give special thanks to Pastor Cody and Sister Lauren. Uh, they have uh, picked me up and dropped me off and uh, taken clothes to the cleaners and uh, taken me out to eat. And uh, there's a very fine line between memorable and traumatic. Um, but my time with Pastor Cody has been very traumatic. I mean, memorable. It's been very memorable. And I'm so thankful for him and Sister Lord, and, and of course, uh, Pastor and Sister Bounds and their family. Um, you know, I just feel, I feel better when I'm around uh, Pastor and Sister Bounds. And uh, it was Paul speaking to the Corinthian church when he said, we, are not, we, don't, we don't have dominion over your faith, but we are helpers of your joy. And I'm thankful for a man of God 
the Bible, that's a pretty amazing description, a helper of our joy. We don't really talk about that description much, but uh, when we stand before the Lord and we enter into that fullness of joy, we're going to be so thankful for a man of God, for a pastor, a pastor's wife and family that poured into us. And I'm thankful for your man of God, his wife and his family. And uh, I salute your ministry team. Uh, Luke picked me up tonight. I got to go to Bible school uh, with Luke. And always good to see him and Allison. And uh, have got to be around uh, much of the, many of the other ministers and their wives. And um, again, you're blessed. You're just blessed. So if there's somebody mean among you, don't show yourself because you've got me fooled. I'm just convinced that everybody, a part of the anchor, is just pretty awesome. Amen. Would you turn with me to the book of John, the book of John, chapter 21, the book of John, chapter 21. How many of you are going to help me preach tonight? How many of you came for a word from the Lord tonight? I believe the Lord is going to speak to us. And if you'll allow me, I'm just going to share the word. John, chapter 21, John, chapter 21, and let's begin at verse 1. John 21 and verse 1. And after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples. And Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. And they said unto him, we also go with thee. And so they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you will find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his fisherman's coat, for he was unclothed, he was naked, and he did cast himself into the sea. By the help of God's Spirit, I just want to teach, talk, preach, minister uh, on this simple subject on this Wednesday night, the nail-scarred cook, the nail-scarred cook. Would you turn to your neighbor and tell them, the nail-scarred cook? And would you put your Bible down? Would you put your phone down for a moment? And let's pray that God would bless our time together. God, don't let this be another ordinary Wednesday night, but I pray, God, that your anointing would be upon our mind and upon our spirit. God, your word is already anointed, so I do not ask you to anoint your word, but I ask you to anoint our hearing, anoint our heart, that it would be good ground, that it would be fertile ground, that the seed of your word would find lodging, that it would germinate. And God, please don't let us just be a hearer, but God, let us be a doer of the word. I thank you for it, God. I thank you for what you are accomplishing, and I thank you for this wonderful household of faith. Bless the next few moments of our time together, Lord. Let it be so, I pray. Let it be so, I pray. In Jesus' name, clap your hands unto the Lord. Come on, let's just do it a little louder all across the building. 
Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we just do it a few more seconds? Come on, I want to just let them know how wonderful and marvelous and majestic he is. We extol you, God. We lift you up tonight. Hallelujah to your great name. Hallelujah. God bless you, and you can be seated on this Wednesday night. Jesus had stood and emphatically declared, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It was a word of power. It was a word of authority. It was a word that echoed and ringed into the ears of every hearer. But now the man who has said these self-same power-infused words is now hung on a cross, a nail going through his feet, nails going through his hands, a spear thrusting through his side, and he has breathed his last and final breath. And so it is that those that have heard this prolific pronouncement are now discombobulated. They're confused. They don't, they don't know what to do. Their world is turned upside down. And so what do you do when you don't know what to do? You go fishing. I heard someone say you should pray. Well, this is not what they did. They should have prayed, but you know what the Bible says? The Bible said that Peter said, I'm going fishing. What's a man to do when he's confused and he's frustrated and he's angry? What's a man to do when the very one that has called him and told him that he would subdue kingdoms and walk in authority has now died on a cross? What's a man to do? Go fishing. And so he says, I go fishing. But then the next statement is, well, we also are going to go fishing with you. It matters the voices that speak into your life. It matters the voices that you entertain. It matters the voices that you allow to determine your kingdom direction. And so it is that Peter says, I go a-fishing. And then it segues into, we go a-fishing. And now all of a sudden, the Bible says, and immediately they went forth. It is unique. Uh, it, is, it, is, it, it is unique to me how uh, quickly we can be unified in doubt. It is unique to me how uh, quickly we can be unified in going backward. Peter has been called by God and yet he is regressing. He is going back to what he knows. He is going back to what he can compute. He is going back to what he is a professional at. He, he's going back to the way that it always has been. And so the Bible says, and they went forth. But the problem is they are not going forth. They are going backward. And so it is that we in our human proclivity are often more unified in, in, in going backward than we are Forward, And so it is that in this confusion, in this, in this doubt, in this fear, the echoes of, of Peter's words ring throughout those around him and they begin to go back into what they've always known. 
And one of the most grace-infused statements that we will read in all of our Bible is simply this. And that night they caught nothing. I imagine that as they're fishing in the beginning inaugural hours, they're not really worried because they're experts. Bob, they, they know how to fish. They've always been fishermen. But, but now, now it's about midnight, Will, and they're not, they're not catching anything. But it's all right. It's, they're experts. They're professionals. They, they know how to do this. And so now it's 1 o'clock. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. And now, now they are frustrated. Now they are sweating. They are, they are leaning on the side of the boat, but they are leaning on their own understanding trying to go back, Zion, to what they've always been. But the Bible says, and that night they caught nothing. And that night they caught nothing. That night they caught nothing. Why is it one of the most grace-infused statements that you will read in all of your Bible? Because when you have been an eyewitness of God's glory and you have been an eyewitness of God's ways and you have been an eyewitness of God's power, there is a holy angst there is a kingdom frustration. You will never be allowed the luxury to go back and be content. You will never be able to go back to where you came from. And you will never be able to go back I want to preach to somebody on a Wednesday night that's feeling a little frustrated. It is the grace of God that will not allow you to regress and go backward to where God brought you from. It is the grace of God that allows us to fail where we used to succeed. How is it that I, it, it used to be easy for me to be carnal. It used to be easy for me to be double standard. It used to be easy for me to be hypocritical. It used to be easy for me just to live a, a, a selfish life that was content and satisfied. But now it seems as, as if there's a, there, it seems as if my conscience just echoes and echoes and echoes. And it seems as if I fall under conviction. And, and it just seems that every time I try, to, I try to be just another North American Christian member. That I'm at odds. I can't quite get settled. I can't get quite comfy. It is the grace of God. It is the grace of God that will not let you just be one of the boys, one of the girls. It is the grace of God that will not allow you just to be another church member. It is the grace of God that provokes you. It is the grace of God that is constantly nudging you. It is the grace of God that is constantly reminding you. You cannot go back to where you've always been. And you cannot go back and be who you were. I have given you a kingdom mandate. I have given you a supernatural visitation. That's why you can't sleep at night being satisfied to just be another person that shows up to church and shows up to work and shows up to school and then just repeats the process until you start praying kingdom prayers. You will not be satisfied until you start going deeper. You will not be content. You will be frustrated. And you will fail where you used to succeed because you have experienced something otherworldly. You've been exposed. 
You've been exposed to something bigger than you. You've been exposed to something greater than this singular moment when you have been given a glimpse of eternity, when God has given you handfuls of your future, you are never able to shrink back to who you once were. And so it is that as they are fishing, is this all right tonight? As they are fishing, they are catching nothing. They are fishing even now still, and they're catching nothing until all of a sudden a voice begins to echo, children, 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 echo, echo. They're looking around. They say, who is that? I can't see. The voice is coming from the shore. Children, children, echo, echo. Who is this stranger? Can you, can you figure out who it is? I can't tell. It's coming from the shore. Children, do you have any meat? Can I just stop right here for a moment and... and um. Can I just let you in on another little secret on, on why hell hates your guts? Because even when you're running, even when you're regressing, even when you're going backward, even when you're not heeding what he's called you to do and be, you're still his child, you're still his son, you're still his duck. Even when you're trying to cause the conviction to go away. Even when you decide that you're not walking to the altar. Even when you make up in your mind that you will not submit. And you will do everything within your human capability to go the opposite way. There is a voice that comes. Children. Children. Now you gotta realize we know that it's Jesus, but they don't. Jesus is asking a question to them. Oh, I gotta stop right here. The sun's not even come up yet. But Jesus is already speaking. They haven't even caught anything. Lakin, but Jesus is speaking. You know, I read it somewhere in the, in the in, I, in, I think it was Genesis, that um, evening and morning were the first day. Darkness and then light. So darkness is not the end of a day. Darkness is not the end of a day. So just because it's dark doesn't mean God is done. If it's dark, it might just be, whoo! Oh, I'm sorry, it's Wednesday night. It's Wednesday night, but I can't help myself. Just because it's dark doesn't mean God is done. It might just be he's beginning to work. I looked on my left, I couldn't see him. I looked on my right, I couldn't see him. I didn't know where the voice was coming from. But God began to speak. Even while I was sinning, even while I was running, even when I had a bad spirit, even when I was regressing from everything that I had been exposed to, a voice kept coming, child, 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 hey, son, daughter. And it's in our moments of carnality that we want God to leave us alone. Let me be carnal. Let me be average. But it's that voice that says, oh, you can run. You can be double standard all you want to. You can give in to selfish thinking. You can begin to live your life. 
for just yourself. But there's something that you are that you'll never be able to cease to be. And that's my child. That's my son. That's my daughter. When I just want to do what I want to do, I just can't shake off the fact that my daddy's counting on me, that my father's watching me. I, I just can't. When I want to slip into the lowest of the low, I just can't help but think, God created me for better than this. God brought me up in my mother's womb for greater than this. I can't shake the fact that I belong to him. And neither can you. Children, do you have any meat? What was the response? One word. No! I think I can deduce that they're probably in a bad mood. Have, uh, you can be seated. I'm going to keep standing on these chairs if you don't mind. Um, have you ever... Uh, have you ever just like wrote out a paragraph to somebody and man, you just put a few minutes into it. You just sat down, you stopped your day. And if you're like me, I mean, I was walking in the hotel lobby, walking out, Luke was waiting on me and I just started texting somebody. And then <laughs> the girl behind the desk was like, you need anything? And I realized I had just like stopped mid-step in the lobby and I was just like texting for two minutes. I'm not really a good multitasker. And so, so sometimes you just, you know, you stop your day, literally, and, and you write out a paragraph to somebody. Hey, I've just been thinking of you. Hey, you know what? Forgive me for having a bad attitude. Hey, just, you know, Lord put you on my mind. I want to pray for you. Hey, and after sending three paragraphs of encouragement, they say, thanks. And they don't even spell the whole word. T-H-X. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Thank you for sacrificing your time and your energy. Oh, yeah, see, some of y'all looking, y'all looking around. Yep, that's what he does, that's what she does, that's what, call him out, Landon, call him out. They said, they said, nope, we not in a talking mood. Who is this maniac? Who is this stranger that is calling out to us? Children, do you have any meat? And now, the stranger starts giving advice. Hey, yo, what I think you should do is um, cast your net on the other side of the boat. Echo, echo, echo. Fish are running. Echo, echo, echo. Anybody that fishes knows that you do not talk when you are fishing. You do not scream when you are fishing. How many of y'all know that? I learned that lesson the hard way. Dad said, hey, you know, we're going to get some father-son father time. We're going out on the bass boat. I didn't realize he meant like sun up to sundown. I said, if this was... I mean, it's supposed to be bonding time. I like, man, five hours in, I wanted to use an Old Testament cuss word. <laughs> I'm just being real. I mean, only so much. I, see, uh, I realized five minutes in, I don't like fishing. I like catching. And sometimes you got to have about 10 hours of fishing, and you get about, eh, 45 minutes of catching. 
not my kind of ratio. <laughs> and uh, so about four or five hours in, I just trying to open a bag of Cheetos. Well, when you on Lake Fork, you know, supposedly the, the bass capital of the world, you don't make a noise. Well, I just thought Cheetos might be the exception. Oh, no. There is no exception. Shh, be quiet. Yeah, okay. Shh. Landon. Shh. Landon, what are you doing? Okay, Dad, I just need a bag of Cheetos. You know what I'm saying? And so I just, I just learned real quick. Anybody that's yelling, talking, screaming, they don't know how to fish. That is fishing basics 101. And so now there's this dude screaming from the shore. Hey, you got any food? No. Oh, hey, what I think you should do is cast your net on the other side of the so how did he know they hadn't got anything? Oh, maybe he knew something they didn't. Maybe he had been watching them. And maybe even though they couldn't see him, he could see them. Hey, uh, maybe you should cast your net. Who is this dude? He's screaming, he's yelling. Now he's telling us to cast our nets on the other side of the boat. Honestly, here's what I'm saying, bro. We got to go back to the shore and we got to face this cat. I think maybe we do what he's saying. Don't make him mad, all right? We'll just, we'll just cast our net on the other side of the boat. Let's do it. Um, I need a boat. Can y'all bring these chairs up here? Hurry, bring all these chairs on the platform. Just these right here, right here, right here. Y'all give us just a minute. We, we're about to build a boat. Um, yeah, put those right here, put those right here. And uh, yeah, we're going to just kind of build a boat like this. Okay, we about to sink. Okay, okay, yeah, all right, we need, we need every boat needs two sides. So this is going to be one side of the boat, and uh, this is going to be the front of the boat. Yes, there we go. And uh, man, you give it up for our boat builders. And oh, no, 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 y'all y'all get back up here. Uh, the Bible says that they were fishing. And uh, y'all get on, y'all get, get in here. Come on, we got to fish, we got to fish. And uh, they, they got their nets on one side of the boat. Y'all help me out. We got the nets on one side of the boat. And uh, they've been fishing. And all of a sudden they hear this request, this odd request. Hey, uh, homies, maybe you should cast your net on the other side of the boat. Now you got to realize these boats, some of y'all are Googling right now. What does homie mean? The friends, the bros. I'll help you out. I don't want you to get distracted by your phone in church. So you got to realize these nets are big. They're bulky. They're heavy. They're cumbersome. It takes a whole lot of manpower and strength and time and inconvenience to take the net and to, oh, y'all going to let me do it by myself? Okay. <laughs> to take the net. Come on, guys, on the count of three. Okay, all right, come on. Where's the wink link? Okay, on the count of three. <sighs> all right, let me catch my breath. <sighs> okay, one, two, three. <laughs> God, we hit a snag. Come on, unsnag it. Right there, right there. Unsnag it. Huh? 
Okay. All right. Come on. We're almost there. We're almost there. Y'all, y'all, where we at? Come on. Get it to the other side. Other side. One. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Why am I the only one sweating? It's not always convenient to be obedient to a word. But this is what I have learned. If you're going to be obedient to a word, you're going to have to get over something. And you're going to have to get past where everybody else gets snagged. But you're going to have to find out real quickly what is more important to you, being hung up and snagged or being obedient to the word of the Lord. You got to stand up in your house. You got to stand up for your marriage, for your children and say, I will not get stuck here. I will not get snagged here. I will not backslide here. I will not die here. Whatever we got to get over, we're going to get over because we've got to fulfill the word of the Lord. Tell your neighbor, get over it. No, tell him again with a little sarcastic smile. Get over it. If you're going to be obedient, if you're going to be obedient to a word from the Lord, you're going to have to make up in your mind that you're going to get past where everybody else makes excuses. You're going to have to get beyond where everybody else gets petty. You're going to have to get a kingdom perspective. And when you get a kingdom perspective, that snag is not as important as... That snag is not worth leaving church over. That snag is not worth getting bitter at your pastor over. That snag is not worth a soul being lost, a Bible study ending. You'd be real surprised at how many snags have stopped somebody from getting over to the other side. But if you're going to be an overcomer, you're going to have to get over something. You're going to have to make up in your mind there's something on the other side. And what's on the other side is greater than my flesh. So the Bible says they got... They got to the other side. They cast the nets on the other side. And what happened when they did? Oh, hey, was that you twitching? What was that? What was, oh my, oh, hey, there's fish. There's fish! And you know what they were doing. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, we, we knew what we were doing all along. There's fish. No, they weren't catching anything. So what changed? It's the same boat. It's the same fishermen. It's the same nets. It's the same lake. Everything was the same. Except for a word. And the greatest hindrance to the prophetic is when flesh begins to justify and we begin to use rational thought and we begin to declare out of our fear and doubt because we don't want to be disappointed. It's just the same. Nothing's changing. It's just another season of revival. It's just another little wave. We'll go back and we'll regress to the way it's always been. 
No, 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 no. A word has come. And when a word comes, that word has the ability to change absolutely everything. The landscape of your world, of your mind, of your paradigms, of your thought process, of your proclivities, of your desires, of your passion. Everything can change with the utterance of a word. Now they say, they say the average width of a boat during Bible times was 7.5 feet. They were 7.5 feet away from their answer. But a word, but a word, but a word went forth. Children, you got, got anything? No, we don't got anything. I think it was, I think maybe it was also the grace of God that was trying to get them to understand that they did have nothing. What did God make the world out of? So nothing is miracle material. Nothing does not disqualify. Oh, I wish I would have learned this sooner. Nothingness does not disqualify you. Nothingness makes you a candidate. I don't know about you, but there was times in my young adult life, there was time in my teenage years when fear and doubt and, and the enemy would come to my world and say, you're nothing, you're nobody, you're not going to amount to anything. And uh, you know what I do now? I agree. When the enemy comes against me and says, you're nothing, I say, all right, let me remind you. Let me remind you what God made the world out of. Let me remind you what God did a supernatural miracle out of. You know what he used? Nothingness. And in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. It is in my brokenness and in my nothingness that I become most pliable, most ready. It is in my nothingness that God is able to step down in his sovereignty and he is able to reach into the nothingness and into the brokenness and he in his time is able to make all things beautiful. And so it is that word went forth. You got anything? No, we don't got anything. Well, now, so that you know you don't got anything, why don't you cast? Why don't, why don't you cast on the other side? Now they cast on the other side. And so now all of a sudden, all of a sudden there is fish and something begins to happen. I'm almost done. Hear me. Can I preach just a few more minutes? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, something begins to happen. Something, something begins to quicken. The Bible says, who, who wants to be John? I need someone to be John. Would you like to be John? Um, the Bible says the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know what? If you go back and read it. Goodness, I'm on the struggle bus. John 21 and 7. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved... Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved doesn't say John, doesn't say his name. You know what God is doing? God is raising up men and women in this end time hour that will not be known by their name. 
They will be known by their consecration. They will be known by their prayer life. They will be known by their convictions. God is raising up men and women that you're going to shake hands with their spirit before you shake hands with them. They're not known in the earthly, but they're known before the throne. Gabriel knows who they are. Michael knows who they are. Because on Monday, they're in the throne room. On Tuesday, they're in the throne room. On Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday. Not going to be known by your social status. Not going to be known by your pedigree. Not going not gonna to be known by your intellectual acumen. You're going to be known by your walk with God. You know that lady who God loves? I know who that is. You know that man of God who has a relationship with the king? I know who that is. You know who that young adult? You know who? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, their, I, their identity is in their walk. Their identity is in their passion. Their identity is in their relationship. So the Bible doesn't say John. The Bible says the disciple that Jesus loved started looking. He said, oh, this don't make sense. This don't make sense. Just say this don't make sense. This don't make sense. He began scratching his, scratch your head. He's began scratching his head. He said, I got to figure this out. I got everybody else was just content to see what was happening. He wanted to know why it was happening. The Bible says in Psalms, he made his acts known to Israel, he made his ways known to Moses. He made his acts known to Israel. He made his ways known to Moses. There's a whole lot of people that know what God is doing. They don't know why he's doing it. They know what he's doing right now. They don't know what he's about to do. I don't want to just show up to church and watch it happen. I want to show up to church and help make it happen. And if I'm going to help make it happen, I'm going to have to be a co-laborer in prayer. And a co-laborer, come on, when your pastor gets up to the pulpit, you ought to be in sync with the Spirit. Every singer, every musician, every elder ought to know the spirit of prophecy is in this house. Conviction is in this house. He's reaching for a prodigal in this house. I don't want to just see what God is doing. I want to know why he is doing it. And I want to know what he's about to do. And so the disciple, the disciple that Jesus loved. See, that was relationship. Now it's about to segue into revelation. He said, all right, I want to know what's happening. This don't make sense. And then all of a sudden he realized there's only one person who can make a miracle out of what doesn't make sense. Hey, 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 Pete. This is the Lord. And who's Peter? You're Peter. All of a sudden, oh, okay, can I take your jacket off? Can I throw it down? I don't know why, but Peter's cloak had come off. He probably was tired. He probably was frustrated. And so now all of a sudden he begins to put his cloak back on. Put it back on. And he's looking, he's looking at John saying, all right, is this the Lord? Yeah, yeah, this is the Lord. This is the Lord. Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, this is the Lord. I know it is. I know it is. There's going to come a moment. You're never going to graduate humanity until we make it to heaven. There's going to be moments that you still have doubt and it matters who's in your boat. You need somebody that can link up with you and say, if you don't believe they can come back to God, let me remind you when God brought my family back to God. You need somebody in the, you need somebody in the same boat that says, if you don't believe God can bring healing in this anxiety, let me remind you when God brought healing to my anxiety. 
if you don't believe God can renew you in the Holy Ghost and it's been a long time let me remind you when I came to the altar and God renewed me it matters who you're yoked up with it matters who you're linked up with it matters the voices that you allow to speak into your life you don't need to be yoked up with somebody that says alright see I knew I told you I told you all this God stuff was junk. I, 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 I told you you just need to live your best life. You need to live your truth. You need somebody that will look at you and say, I don't care how much you try to dismiss it. I don't care how much you try to justify it. I don't care how much you try to explain it away. This is of the Lord. This is of the Lord. This is of the Lord. This is you don't need somebody to agree with you in your complacency. You need someone to contradict you and say you're not thinking right. This is of the Lord. And the Bible says, the Bible says, get on this chair. No, no, stand on it. The Bible says that when Peter heard those words, it is the Lord. He put on his coat and he jumped overboard. Can you jump overboard? Oh, nice. I'll give you a 10. Now you tell me. You tell me why. Why is it that he's about to jump into the water? It's muddy, it's murky, it's wet, and so he's, he's putting his cloak back on. You know what somebody brought to my attention? I thought it was really interesting. In the Old Testament, if you were going to go into the Holy of Holies, you couldn't go in unclothed. You had to cover yourself. So much to the fact that the priest did not just wear a cloak, they wore breeches or pants underneath their cloak. Because everything was so holy, they had to be covered. I don't know if he fully realized it, but something began to quicken on the inside of him. Something began to say, there's something supernatural on that shore. There's something holy on that shore. There's something glorious on that shore. There's something miraculous on that shore. And if you want more glory, you got to put something back on. If you want more glory, you got to put on something that you've taken off. That's why we put on Christ. That's why we put on the armor. That's why we put on holiness. That's why we put on the garment of praise. You can't want more of God and you can't want more of his glory and have less you got to put something back on isn't it amazing that every revival is preceded by repentance every great revival that has ever shook our world has always been preceded by repentance Somebody begin to put holiness back on something somebody begin to put convictions back on they weren't they weren't saying what can I get away with right before the awakening they were saying what do I need to bring back into my life what do I need to I gotta put righteousness back on I gotta put back clean living I gotta put on the garment of praise I, I gotta I gotta put on the mind of Christ if you want more of God you gotta go back and you gotta put something back on that you let go of And so now he's making his way. He's making his way to the shore. No doubt in his mind he's looking back and he's wading through the murk and the mess. Are, am I swimming or are you swimming? 
we're swimming. They're swimming. They're swimming through the, the murky mess and the junk. And, and now he's, he's looking behind. And maybe, maybe, just maybe he should have stayed in the boat. See, the boat was where all the fish was. And the boat is where the success was. But what's success without Jesus? He's, he, he, he's seeing all. The, they, they've, they've fished all night for everything that's in the boat. But now he's leaving it behind. Because what's a career move without Jesus? What's a job promotion without Jesus? What's more in the bank without Jesus? I'm not saying that's bad, but you got to have Jesus. I said you got to have Jesus. <laughs> See, success without Jesus is not good success. God told Joshua, you're going to have good success. That means not all success is good. You're going to have good success. See, I used, to, I used to have a fear of failure. Sometimes I still succumb to it. But the older I get, I'm not so much worried about failing in the right thing. I'm worried about succeeding in the wrong thing. You know, you know there's a book called the Guinness World Book of Records. And someone's got an award for... Um, being on a pogo stick for like 10,000 hours. They got a trophy for that. Someone got a trophy for having a million rubber ducks. They got a trophy. They got a plaque. Now we laugh at that, but you know what is equally as stupid? Getting to heaven and having only attained success in the earthly what is the definition of stupid success? Success that has no consequence on the afterlife. Success that has no consequence on the eternity. So he's looking back at that boat. Maybe, maybe I should have stayed in that boat. Maybe I should go back, but I can't. I, I, I'm beyond the point of return. Remain standing. Musicians come. Hurry. All of a sudden he makes it to the shore. And what does he find? Y'all know what he found? He found Jesus. You know what Jesus was doing? Jesus was cooking. Nail-scarred hands. While he was running, while he was regressing, while he was failing, were gathering rocks, gathering sticks, and nail-scarred hands was preparing. Nail-scarred hands was cooking. What was it cooking? Bread and fish. Jesus already had what he had left behind. And there is nothing that you will ever sacrifice. There is nothing that you will ever leave behind that Jesus will not prepare for you in greater, more I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of any man everything that I have prepared for them that love me. So I came to provoke somebody on a Wednesday night. Came to teach, preach, talk. 
call you to remembrance that nail-scarred hands are preparing woo, something for you and me. Why would we miss it? Peter got a fire. He's already got a fire. He's already got bread and he's already got fish. So that means while they were Jesus had already been preparing. I think that's pretty amazing. I think that's pretty awesome. Think about it for a minute. Think about it. Nail scarred hands, gathering rocks, gathering sticks, gathering kindling, cooking, preparing. Hey Pete, what's what's the greatest what's the greatest catch you ever got? What's the what's the greatest fishing story you, you have? Tell me about a cool story. Peter, when you were fishing and you had an amazing catch. Peter's greatest story is not what he caught. Peter's greatest fishing tale is not what he caught. His greatest story is the one who caught him. Hey baby, let let me tell you about a fishing story. Let me tell you about when I was running and I was resisting and the Rosa Sharon came after me. Let me tell you when I was carnal and I wasn't where I needed to be and the lily of the valley came after me. Hey, let me tell you when the bright morning star came to me in my darkness and I was, I didn't want to be who God called me to be. Hey baby, baby, let me tell you, let me tell you the greatest, let me tell you the greatest catch. It's not about what I caught. It's about the one that caught me. Paul said, I'm I'm trying to apprehend. I'm trying to get a hold of what has a hold of me. Woo! I'm done. I just came to remind you. On a Wednesday night, nail-scarred hands are preparing something for you. You know, we say we say we serve a mind-blowing God, but we really do. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So if we can't think it, how do we ask it? That means there's things that God wants to do in our life that has never crossed our cranium. There's things that God wants to do in our world that we have never even thought of. We have never even computed. But He's preparing. He's preparing. He's preparing. I don't want to miss out. Would you close your eyes? Would you lift up your hands? In your own personal way, would you just respond how you see fit right now? I'm done, but I come to remind you, nail-scarred hands are working on your behalf. If you're single, if you're a young adult, if you're a young married couple, if if you're a family with several children, if you're an elder, I come to remind you God's preparing. God's been preparing. I have not seen, ear hath not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of any man. Everything, everything that he has prepared. 
they're going to begin to sing. I want to challenge you. You got five minutes. You got ten minutes. In your own way, if you want to kneel, if you want to stand, you want to come to this altar, I'm going to put the mic down. But I'm, I'm asking you, young man. I'm asking you, young lady. I'm, I'm asking you, young adult. I'm, I'm asking you, elder. I, I, I want you to, I just want you to respond to the word of the Lord. Maybe you've been running tonight. Maybe you've been weary and well-doing. Maybe you've been tired. Maybe, maybe the promises of God has grown distant. Maybe, maybe that, that word that he gave you, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Maybe, maybe there's been some distance. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's been some regression. It's time for you to get back. It's time for you to get back. Come on, get Jesus back in the boat. Whatever you got to do to get to glory. Whatever you got to get. Whatever you got to get a hold of. Whatever you got to get rid of. Jesus is on the shore waiting. He's been watching you. He's been preparing for you. He's got something in store for your babies. Your marriage, your future. Your mind, your spirit. I decrease Woo! as you increase. Apprehend that which is apprehending you. It's not about me. Get a hold of that so which is I trying to get a hold of you. As you He's got it all together. Everything's going to be all right. It's not about Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. As you Nail-scarred hands have not forsaken you. Nail-scarred hands have not abandoned you. Nail-scarred hands are preparing something for you. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.